Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host, Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins, from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk. We've got you covered. New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And let's go Pens! This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and much more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is your host once again, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another episode of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news and topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much, as always, for taking some time to listen to these episodes. Myself and the Hockey Pod Network greatly, greatly appreciate it. Folks, I'm going to make this intro slash rant kind of short today because I'm going to be very honest with you. This past week has been outright depressing, to say the least. Um, you know, this whole week was uh, a big one uh, when, this, when the week began because we knew when the season started we, and we looked at the calendar, we knew that this was going to be that big week. You know, playing four games in a row against the New York Rangers with two being at the rock and two being at Madison square garden. Now going into this series, I mean, 
let's face it. I think we were all hoping that we could at least get a split, you know, maybe win two games and go from there. Uh, we know we knew that the Rangers were coming in um, playing really good hockey. You know, they were really firing on all cylinders. And look, they're they're still in a very good position to make a run at the postseason and finish in the top four in the East Division. And we know how difficult it is, even if you get on a roll like that. But luckily for everybody, they've only played the teams in their divisions, which gives everybody a fair shake that's still in it to make a run at the postseason. So Obviously, this was going to be a huge week for the Rangers to, you know, not only, you know, get major bragging rights over their Hudson River rival, but also to get themselves really, really in the playoff race. And, you know, looking at it from the Devils perspective, like I said, we were just hoping to try to be competitive and try to maybe scrape out a win or two and make it look like that we were really putting a, putting up a good effort. After now looking at these last four games, I can say that there was uh, a slight bit of effort from the four games. For the most part, it was some of the most pathetic excuse for a hockey I have seen from this Devils team pretty much in the time that I've been a fan of this team. You know, you start off by losing 3 nothing in the first game on Tuesday. All right, that sucks. It was only the second or third time we'd been shut out all season. So it's, it is what it is. It's frustrating because again, we still don't obviously win a game at home and it was a frustrating loss nonetheless, but okay. You still got three more games to go. And also you do have back-to-back games on the road at Madison square garden where, I mean, look, the devil's got two victories against the Rangers on the road earlier in the year. And the devils have been a much better team on the road comparatively to being at home. So there was a little bit of, you know, optimism, you you would say, um, you know, with regards to maybe giving themselves an opportunity to win. Well, we go out on Thursday and we shit the bed. I mean, we, we really just didn't show up right from the beginning. I mean, right from the beginning. We gave up a goal, what, less than a minute in? And you knew right then and there that the Devils had pretty much given up, that they did not believe that they could win that game that they did not believe that they were going to be able to have any success whatsoever. And as a result, they got spanked four to nothing. Should have been five nothing, but obviously Kratzoff uh, got denied of his first NHL goal um, because of a challenge. And any Rangers fan that is going to go on social media or whatever and complain about a coach trying to, you know, remain competitive in a game and, and do the right thing by making sure that the right call was made in that moment, you know, shame on you. That was really disgusting. Um, but anyway, that was it. So halfway through this week, we're down. We've already lost the, you know, we've already lost two games and we haven't even scored a goal. And I was convinced at that point that not only did I not think we were going to win a game in this four game set, but that we might not actually score a goal in this four game set. And it was a combination of the following things. One, I think the Rangers did a good job defensively. Two, I think the Devils in many ways were very predictable in the shots that they were taking. They were getting shots, but they weren't creating a lot of traffic in front. So it made it very easy for the Rangers defense to just kind of, you know, go down in front of Shesterkin and just block a bunch of shots. I mean, there were plenty of, of situations where guys' shots were not even coming close to the net. They were just getting blocked right away. But anyway... You go to 
Saturday's game. And again, we give up a goal, what, 32 seconds in, whatever. We gave up a goal, or, you know, less than a minute into the game again. And before we realize it, it's 3-0 after the first period. It's 3-0 after the first period. And that, to me, was unacceptable in many different ways. I mean, it's bad enough to do that once, but to do it now, you've done it three games in a row where you have gone down 3 nothing. I mean, that is the worst pattern you could be involved in in a sport, in, you know, in sports. You can't do that for several games. You could do it every now and then, but you can't do it consistently for three straight games. But it got worse as obviously it got to 4 nothing, and we were about, I think, five minutes to go in the second period. And again, I just said, we're not going to score a goal. I've accepted that fact. But sure enough, the Devils found a way to score. Michael McLeod, who has had a very solid season this year, got himself a goal. You know, the puck came out to him on the other side. He was able to get it over the shoulder of Shesterkin, and we scored. So it was 4-1 to one going into the third period. And within the first six, seven minutes of the third period, Subban scores a beautiful, you know, one-time slap shot over the right shoulder, top shelf, beating Shostarkin. And then Sharon Govich with a beautiful snipe. And all of a sudden, with more than 10 minutes to go in the game, we are only down four to three. And it was, it was pretty remarkable. But I did not personally believe that we were going to come back because this wasn't the first time that this has happened where we were down by multiple goals going into the third. And we only chose in the third period to start playing. And by the time we start playing and getting into our game, it's too little too late. And that's what ended up happening. We gave up two empty net goals and lost six to three. Pavel Buchnevich got a hat trick on his birthday. Um, you know, Lindgren, I should mention, I think it was either in the game on Thursday or Saturday. He had not scored a goal in nearly 100 games. And then he scored his first goal of the season and his first goal in almost 100 games. Only the Devils could do that, right? Only the Devils could do something like that. But the Devils lose that one six to three. So then you come to today. I'm recording this part of the podcast on Sunday the 18th, uh, a couple hours after the game. I knew right, right away that we were not going to win this game. I'm sorry. Like, I've tried to be optimistic, but it's, it, I can't do that anymore. I just can't be this way. I have to be honest with you guys because I know that's what you guys want to hear. You guys want to hear honesty from me. That's what, I, that's what I take great pride in with this podcast. I take great pride in being as honest as I can be with you guys. Um, once again, we give up multiple goals in the first period. And again, we create chances going the other way, but the Rangers score because they just take advantage of every stupid mistake that we make, right? We take, we, you know, we do this all the time, all the time. And the second goal was stupid because, you know, Jacob Truba laid into Andreas Janssen and look, whether you want to call it a dirty hit or not, I mean, you know, there's good cases both ways. Um, you know, Nico wanted to stand up for his teammate. And I appreciate that. And I like that. What I don't like is that the refs decide to only give a penalty to Nico and not give it offsetting minors, which is usually what happens in those type of scrums. But they only gave two minutes to Nico. And sure enough, because our penalty kill is the worst I've ever seen ever, we gave up a goal. And so we're down to nothing after, after 20 minutes. And again, I mean, it's just... 
what do you like what what are we supposed to say right like what are you supposed to what are you supposed to do in it just it's mind-boggling to me that we go down that easily and sure enough it eventually was three nothing and Kraftsoff, who again remember a couple games ago he got denied of his first NHL goal this time he was able to cash in on it to make it three nothing and once again it's three nothing and here's the thing that was that was funny to me well not that funny but I mean it's funny now thinking about it Alexander Georgiev had to leave the game for a couple minutes at the end of the first period or yeah first period he got hurt uh, Shesterkin came in, made a couple of saves, and kept the Devils, obviously, off the scoreboard. Georgiev came back in the game. He came back in the game and was still and still played very and still played very well. And then, you know, Mikhail Moltsev is able to score, you know, really good concentration in front of the net to just sweep it past Georgiev. And we're down three to one going into the third period. So we do have some life here. And at least we could score. I mean, at least we could go only two of the four games without scoring a goal against them. I, I was, again, I was wondering, like, are we going to go three out of four games where in which we don't score a single goal? And it wasn't even Shesterkin this time. It was, it was Georgiev. And mind you, Shesterkin never had a shutout until this week, this past week against us. Now he's got two in his career. But anyway, we go down and, you know, the Devils came out and played, I thought, pretty solidly. and. Marion Studenich, one of the guys you did not expect, comes down the right wing, flying, takes a wrist shot, top shelf, beating the goaltender Georgiev for his first National Hockey League goal. And all of a sudden, it's three to two. And we're right there, right there. And the Devils, they fought. They continued to fight right after that. Then you had the, the Nico, Nolan Foot Merkley line. And, you know, you get a really good situation where Nolan Foot has the puck, you know, in the right side. He passes it over to Nick Merkley, who passes it to Nico. One-time slap shot. He scores. Game is tied. Nolan Foote, in his first National Hockey League game, gets his first National Hockey League point. So at this moment, right, I'm setting the scene here. At this moment, we have come back from down 3 nothing. We have one player who scores his first NHL goal, his first NHL point, you know, in his third NHL or fourth NHL game at this point for him. And then you have Nolan Foote. Uh, whose parents actually traveled from Denver to come to New Jersey to see this game, uh, got himself the secondary assist, his first NHL point. So a couple milestones, and all of a sudden you're starting to hear the Devils fans that are actually at the game making some noise. Now, it was the first time this whole week I heard it, and I was really happy. And I was still, you know, unfortunately, I let my emotions get the best of me, and I really started to say, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to find a way to win this game. Sure enough, we take a penalty. I believe it was Ryan Murray. Yep, it was Ryan Murray. We took high sticking. And sure enough, Mika Zibanejad scores. And the Rangers take the lead. They end up scoring an empty netter. I don't even know who scored it. And we lose 5-3. to three. And I just, I lost it. I said, this team is such a tease. It's a joke. They've teased us so many times this year. They've teased us twice this week where we're down. By three, four goals, we make this ferocious comeback and we still find a way to lose. And not only did we still find a way to lose, we still found a way to lose in regulation. Now, you could say whatever you want about the penalties today, right? You could definitely say what you want about the bullshit that was Jack Hughes getting called for a soft penalty. He gets upset as he should. 
He throws his stick back on the ice while he's sitting there on the penalty box and the ref gives him a 10 minute misconduct. I mean, it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. When you're a bad team, you don't get these calls. Matter of fact, it goes exactly against you. The refs are instructed to make sure that the better teams, most of the time, get the calls so that they can win these games. They want this to happen, okay? They want this to happen. But there is no excuse to go down 3 nothing for the third time in four fucking games. There is no excuse to do that. There is no excuse. So the Devils once again tease us, thinking, oh, we're going to make this miraculous comeback, and we still find a way to lose. Whether it's we just, the lead was too insurmountable, or we take a stupid penalty late in the game that costs us. And so the Rangers leave and finish the, the season series against us, six and two, winning the last six games against us. We went, we started the year two and oh, and we all thought that this was an opportunity where, hey, I mean, we could have a, we have a really good shot of maybe going 500 against this Rangers team. Well, we end up losing the last six. We have lost 14 of our last 16 or, or 13 of our last 15, whatever it is. We are almost in the bottom three in the National Hockey League at this point. Uh, there's only one team at the moment that's eliminated from the playoffs officially. That was Buffalo last night on Saturday. They got officially eliminated. We are pretty close to that. I would say probably by the end of this upcoming week against Pittsburgh, which again, three straight games on the road against the Penguins. I think there's a pretty good chance that by the end of this week, we'll be officially eliminated from the postseason. Um, oh, and not to mention, we have three games in a row this week coming up against Pittsburgh and then four in a row the following week against the very depleted Flyers team. So the next seven games are against teams that, well, one that I think is certainly going to make it into the playoffs. The other probably is not, but, you know, if we give them life like we just gave the Rangers, if we let them win four straight against us, they could be right back in it. Let me just say this. The Devils finished being outscored 18 to 6 in the last four games. And I would say in three quarters of these games, they showed absolutely no fight, no confidence, no belief, no passion, and no pride. I get it. Once again, we're the youngest team in the NHL. We gutted our team of the veterans that we had. We don't have Andy Green anymore. We don't have Zajac. We don't have Paul Merritt. We don't have Kulikov. We don't have Vatanen. I mean, we don't, we don't have these guys anymore. The veterans on this team at this point are guys like P.K. Subban, Ryan Murray, Damon Severson, and, I mean, Janssen. I mean, that's just, that just shows you how young we are. And this coaching staff, whether you want to agree with me or not, in many ways has failed this team has failed them. They're not doing anything to put this team in the best position to succeed. They're not going in the locker room, screaming and yelling and asking these guys, do you guys have any pride? Are you guys enjoying getting your ass kicked and being embarrassed all over the ice? Do you enjoy that? I don't think that's being done. I think that, like Damon Severson said, I think this team gave up on the season a month and change ago. I think that once 
they went through that situation where they had lost something like 11 in a row at home. I think that's when they gave up. I, I would say a month before the deadline is when they gave up. And I, and I, I don't care what Damon Severson says. I don't. Um, people, like, players like him, honestly, should not be on this team anymore. Because all they do is they just continue to th- pile on the garbage attitude to the young kids who are looking at it and wondering, are we going to win a hockey game? Are we going to be able to score consistently? You know, I'm sure that that's what Jack Hughes and Nico and, and guys like that are wondering. And I get it. We didn't have Brett and Zaka for the last couple of games, but other guys got to step up. But I think that honestly, the team is packed in. Um, I mean, I've sort of packed it in myself. Uh, I've, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of a lot of different sports, not just hockey. I mean, I have a favorite basketball team, the Brooklyn Nets. I have a couple baseball teams that I'm a fan of, um, you know, soccer, uh, bas- uh, football. Uh, and right now, sports in general for me have been such a, have been so bad to watch because pretty much all of my teams have been playing like crap, playing like shit, um, not showing up you know, giving up very easily and losing to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. Um, It's just been difficult for me to have the energy to come on here and try to be optimistic with you guys um, on these last episodes. I would say for the last month, it's been very hard because there just isn't that much to talk about that's positive. And I'm not going to sit here and try to talk to you guys about the future because guess what? For anybody who's seen this team the last five years, that's all we were told. Oh, the future's bright. Oh, this, oh, that. Well, guess what? We are still in a rebuild, or better yet, we're in the second rebuild. We are rebuilding a rebuild that we first did for five years. And we're not even close to where I think we all want to be. Nobody expected us to make the playoffs, okay? Nobody was asking this team to make the playoffs. I think all we were asking for was to just be competitive. And I would say for the first third of the season, that was the case. And whether you want to blame it on COVID or not is irrelevant to me. Because at this point, I mean, I just see guys giving up. That's what I see. I just don't see them fighting the way they need to fight. And I'm tired of the moral victories. It's not worth it. It's not worth the same moral victories anymore to any fan who really honestly, truly cares. Because if you, know, if you say that, it's just, it's just going through one ear and out the other. Who cares? Who cares, guys? Honestly. At the end of the day, what we're dealing with is this. This team is just trying to get through the rest of the season. Meaning they're just going through the motions. They are tired. They are beat up. They are mentally checked out. And they just want to get through these last 13, 14 games of the year, however many we're at at this point, and just move on to the offseason. And once again, for the umpteenth time, if you want to blame somebody, the blame is on the ownership. But we're, they're the reason we're like this. They chose to be this way. They don't want to spend money. They don't want to win. It's because they don't really care about us. They are the type of owners that, want to constantly buy different pieces, you know, of things and try to build up their clout 
and try to build up their, you know, their brand, so to speak. And this is what, and this is what it is. Their baby really is the Philadelphia 76ers. This ownership group tried to buy the Mets. I mean, you know, we have a stupid amount of money in cap space right now. And, we, you know, all of us are hoping that they spend it and they really try to go out and get people. But I'm not going to believe that until they actually do it. And, and again, if we go through the offseason and we don't do a whole lot, right, and we just, you know, move into the next season with a couple of moves here and there for, you know, bottom tier uh, veterans, that will just tell you all you need to know about this team and, and, and this ownership. And ever since they've taken over, this is, this is all they, this is all they've done. And should they be ashamed of themselves? Yeah. But, but in their minds, you know, they're still making money. They're still making money. And that's just all that matters to them. It's you need to have an owner. Who's also a fan who also will, will do, will, will put the money in. Look at guys like Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Steve Ballmer, the owner of the, you know, Los Angeles Clippers, even the late George Steinbrenner. All those guys, did they want to make money? Yeah, but they also wanted to win. So they did what they had to do to win. You know, Mark Cuban's won, a, won, a, won an NBA championship. Steve Ballmer, you know, who knows? Maybe they win a championship, but hell, he's got two great superstar players on his team and a very good team in the Western Conference in the NBA. George Steinbrenner, do I really have to say it? I mean, he built two dynasties in the seventies and in the nineties and won championships and constantly spent money to get the best players he could to come to New York. Josh Harrison, David Blitzer have not, and will not care about this team and don't buy anything they're saying because until you see them actually do something in the off season and actually put a good product on the ice, you should not believe that. You should not, no matter what they say, because it's bullshit. Joshua Harris said at the end of the 18-19 season that we needed to go out and do something about, you know, getting back into playoffs. So they went out and they acquired P.K. Subban. They brought in Nikita Gusev. Uh, they brought in Wayne Simmons, I guess, if you want to call it that. And... Gusev's gone. Simmons got traded. And Subban is basically stuck here because his contract is so big, $9 million. Not by the Devils. I mean, let's face it. I don't think the Devils, I don't think the ownership group would want to pay Subban $9 million to be the player that he is now. I mean, quite frankly, he, you know, Subban doesn't deserve $9 million per year for the way he's playing. But that's just what it is. So the bottom line is I'm simply saying this. This was the most embarrassing week I've ever had as a New Jersey Devils fan. And for anybody who cares about the Devils, um, is feeling that same way. We just got our ass kicked by, of all teams, the Rangers, our rival. And we showed very little to no fight in all four of these games. And it didn't matter that we almost came back against, against them on Saturday. It doesn't matter that we tied the game uh, on Sunday. We still lost in regulation by multiple goals. And I don't care that they were empty netters. I don't. 
we still lost 18 to six. So all I hope for at this point, because as a fan, there isn't much I can do. As I've told you guys before, there isn't much I can do. All I can tell you, all I can do is simply hope and pray that the ownership group of this team decides that they want to spend money to win and that the team goes out and tries to acquire top talent, impact players that are going to help change this team and put them in the right direction. And also, coaching needs to be changed. I mean, Elaine Nazardine, terrible. I personally put a lot of blame on Mark Recchi. Not impressed. And even Lindy Ruff, I mean, if we got rid of him, which I doubt is going to happen, but if we do, it's, it's not going to it's not going to be a big thing to me. It's going to be like, all right, let's go out and get a coach that really, really knows what's going on. But again, there's a reason why Peter Laviolette isn't here and, and Lindy Ruff is. Laviolette wanted more money. The ownership of the Devils didn't want to pay it. And here we are. So again, that again shows you where the priorities are for Joshua Harris and David Blitzer. That shows you where are. the interest of the owners is not the same as the interest of the fans. I'm going to say that one more time. The interest of the owners is not the same as the interest of the fans. I feel bad for the players on this team because they're put in a no-win situation and it's baptism by fire. I feel bad for the fans because you have season ticket holders who I've shouted out here on this podcast before who have been season ticket holders for seven, eight, nine years, almost a decade. And they have seen this team make the playoffs once. And most of the years, mediocre to piss poor hockey. But once again, we're hoping that we get a top pick. I don't give a shit. I don't care who we draft. I don't care what we do. All I care about is this team showing signs that it wants to win. And if they don't show signs, that'll tell you all you need to know about where this ownership's priorities are. So... This is an embarrassing week for the Devils. I feel very ashamed to be a Devils fan right now. I feel ashamed to have to cover this team right now because there isn't much I can really say that's anything new. We suck. We are going to continue to suck. And until ownership makes a decision that they no longer want to suck, we will continue to suck. Now, the other part of this episode here today, um, earlier this past week, I had a chance to talk to uh, the host of Raising Hell Jersey, Jake Wakely. Uh, he's been dying to come on the podcast. I've been on his podcast many, many times. I'm actually one of the one of the guys that comes on more often than not on their podcast. Uh, and I wanted him to come on. Wanted to, I wanted him to give his perspective because he's a fan just like myself. Uh, and this was obviously before the two games on Saturday and Sunday. So, and I and I will mention that in the interview as well. Uh, but we talked about a bunch of different things: the team, the future. Uh, we also gave the news about, you know, the Binghamton Devils are moving from Binghamton to Utica, like starting next year. So uh, I'm sure you guys know that news already, but in case you didn't, the uh, Binghamton Devils, uh, the New Jersey Devils decided that they are going to move their team from Binghamton to Utica, still in upstate New York, but to Utica where they played actually before for a couple of years. But uh, it was great to have Jake on. We appreciate him coming on. Go subscribe to the uh, Raising Hell jersey podcast as well another one of the great devils podcasts that we have on this entire community so thank you guys so much for listening to this part and now enjoy this one-on-one interview with raising hell in jersey zone jake wakely 
Devils fans, we got another special guest. Yes, I've been working on getting some more guests here and there, especially with uh, with the lack of things to talk about considering uh, the team's game-by-game -game performance. But it is a pleasure to welcome on somebody that I've, I've actually been on his podcast a couple of times, and this is the first time that he has the pleasure of coming on this podcast. And it is with great pleasure that we welcome on the host of Raising Hell Jersey, Jake Wakely. Jake, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. First and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Neil. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your podcast. I've been an avid listener of your podcast since you started doing this. Um, I think I started listening to your podcast right around the draft and free agency last year. And I've been listening to basically every episode you've put out since. So I like the content that you produce and that's about, yeah, big fan. I, I'd advise any, any devil's fan that wants to get into listening to devil's podcast to check out Neil's podcast, devil's state of the mind podcast. Excellent for anybody looking for a good devil's podcast to listen to. So. Well, thank you, Jake. I, I do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, vice versa to you as well. Uh, guys, go check out Raising Hell uh, Jersey. I mean, honestly, the best thing about that podcast is that when we got a couple guys on there, it's just a bunch of us Devils fans and podcasters just sitting around, shooting the breeze, talking about all things Devils. And I mean, yeah, it's just it's no different than hearing it, you know, during uh, a regular game if we're watching. But Let's talk about the Devils. Just let's start with this because we're not going to talk about anything specific. We're going to kind of basically talk about the fact that the Devils are, for a lack of a better term, they 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 suck right now. Um, they're yeah. coming off last night's loss, uh, four to nothing on the road at Madison Square Garden. And again, guys, this episode will be coming out on Monday, so you know the other two games will have happened by now. So. We're actually recording this on Friday, right after the second of the four-game series, if you want to call it that, against the Rangers. Jake, I don't know if you had the chance to watch any of last night's game, but in, in your opinion, just as a whole, um, how do you how do you see this Devils team? Like, where where like what is your evaluation of this team? Um, surprisingly, with everything you know, I like I've got on going on in my life. Um, I actually haven't. I've barely missed a game I've actually the wife is nice enough to allow me at you know when the game's on as long as I still have bed a little bit to watch the games and stuff because she knows how how important they are to me and that's big they're a big part of obviously who I am so yep. um you know to break it down like the Devils got off to a hot start as everybody remembers I think they were six three and two to start the season and we were going Okay, like you know, kids are stepping up. That's good. They, that's all. They're just trying to prove themselves in the NHL. They got nothing to lose. They're playing for jobs, yep. and they're playing for a job next year and and beyond. But I think as soon as that COVID hit this team, everything started going downhill. Yeah. If you had have asked me at the start of the season when they were six, three, and two, if I would have thought they'd be pushing for a playoff spot, I probably would have honestly answered you no. I probably would have answered they might fight. They might do be better, obviously, than they are right now. But no, I would have said they would have eventually came back down to earth. The problem I have had 
with this team, and I think the struggles go there is like we knew we knew the veterans were gonna get traded. Did we see Gusev getting put on waivers? No, probably not. But mm. I mean, was it surprising when it happened? Maybe a little, not as much because it was clearly that he wasn't a fit in uh, Lindy Ruff's system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vatnin had an off year, so kind of saw that one coming. You know, we'll we'll get into all that stuff, but yeah, they they're just kids. Like the Devils are the youngest team in the league at an average age of 22.5. So and there's a lot of kids that are playing for the first time in the NHL, like, you know, Sharon Govich and, and all that. Yeah. And Ty Smith, who's been absolutely unbelievable, which is good for us. Cause that's a bright spot considering where he was drafted at 17. Yep. But I think the one thing I still don't agree with, with the general manager is saying, we're going to spend when these kids take off. Okay. Well, When's that gonna be? And I, I know I think I read right. you posted on Twitter last last night. Your patience with this team is starting to run very very thin. Oh, and it's I, already, it's not even it's not even running thin. It's already thin. Like I'm already at that point. Yeah. Wow. Well, and you know, I was I was talking with um I was talking with Jim and him because him and I go back and forth because you know with all the stuff people he talks to and whatnot and yep. we talk the Devils a lot and we were saying that this team's going to get better. It's just going to be probably two or three years. And if they want to get better, they need, we agreed they need defense, but they might want to think about adding some goal scoring because Alexander (laughs) Holtz isn't going to do the whole thing himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point. And I mean, I talked about it on social media last night. Uh, I've been very active with a lot of, with a lot of Devils fans and, and, and people, and a lot of us have, you know, really come to the conclusion that, and, and I said this in the previous episode um, that came out back on Thursday, I said, look, the team needs an impact player at all points of this team. We need an impact goal scorer, an impact defenseman. And honestly, I think we need help in the goaltending situation. Um, you know, I would say it has to go, you know, like the, like the, you know, pattern I just said, you know, goal scoring defense, than goaltending because I mean you can see it in some of these games, particularly the first two games against the Rangers. We haven't scored a goal. I mean, yeah. we, we just didn't score a goal. We've let you know Igor Shesterkin get his first two career shutouts, and if you look at Tuesday's game, sixteen shots on goal the entire game. I mean, that's that's terrible. Like we should be getting at least twenty-five to thirty shots on them because honestly, the Rangers' defense is just not that good. No, it's and, not. We're not, we're not taking advantage of it. So I know that there are guys out there that I have talked about in the past that I personally feel like would be great additions. I think the reality is simply this. And somebody did mention this on Twitter that it's, it's going to be very difficult for the devils to convince top quality goal scorers to come to New Jersey with the, you know, with trying to, you know, convince them that, oh, this team is not that far away from being a cup contender. Uh, I think most likely when it comes to acquiring goal scoring talent, I think it's probably going to have to be via trades. I think a lot of the upgrades are going to have to be via trades. It would be, I would be surprised if we could acquire a top talent um, via free agency. And I mean, there are some guys out there um, that I think would be good. I think we need to shoot 
between the range of 27 to 30 years old because we can't keep trying to get painfully young players because I mentioned this on my last episode that this Devils forward group is younger per average age than the forward group of the University of Minnesota Duluth's hockey team. That goes to show you how painfully young we are and how inexperienced we are. And you're seeing it all the time in these games. We're last night, I hate saying it, but we were completely outclassed in that third period, in that first period. We looked like we had no business playing in the NHL, the way that the Rangers just went around and did whatever they wanted to do. And I think that that just goes to show. And I think that Tom Fitzgerald has put the team in this position because he wants to have as much flexibility as possible with how the offseason goes, with the expansion draft, with the NHL draft, and then obviously with free agency and, and the entire offseason. So I think, it, I think it's now put up or shut up. I mean, if you go this offseason and you barely make any moves, then you have to start asking real questions. And that's where you have to stand. You, I mean, at this point, you have to say to yourself this. Does Joshua Harris and David Blitzer want to spend money? Do they actually want to spend money? And, that, and that's where we can't get on Tom Fitzgerald. Because Fitzgerald might say, hey, I want to go after, I'll just throw out a name, uh, Patrick Line, right, as an example. Joshua Harris and David Blitzer might go, well, you could go after him, but we just don't want you to give him um, nine, $10 million per year, whatever he might be asking. And that might just be like, well, then we can't get him because then we're not utilizing the cap. We're not utilizing the cap space that we have. The Devils have almost $53 million in cap space right now. And they're in a position where they could strike. And they could really get in some young players, well, not young, but but talented impact players with a good amount of money. We have the money to give to these people. So for me, the whole thing is just, it's now unacceptable completely if you go through the whole offseason and try to convince me that Yegor Sharangovich and Alexander Holtz are your offensive help for Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. If you do that, then we have no prayer of getting these guys developed the way that we want to. And I think that that's, I think that's the biggest thing when you really think about it. Yeah. I think, I think like, you know, Fitzgerald said it basically as much as he, as he has said. And, you know, I watched the interview he did the other night. It was the first game against the Rangers in the pregame. Yep. I saw that one too. And the thing that stood out to me that I was really happy he said was this a rebuild's not going to take five to seven years. And I got thinking about it when he said it and I'm going, was that a jab at your former like boss and, and Ray Shiro? Like I kind of thought about it after. I think I'm it going, was. Did you just was. take a jab? But also going to that, if people really like people are, chirping and you know talking about how bad Shiro did Shiro didn't do as bad of a job as people think like he did good at stockpiling the coverage for this team with these young players because this pipeline had absolutely nothing when right. he took over but if you look at all the veteran players since now that Fitzgerald has taken over if you've noticed he's cleaning all of Ray Shiro's guys out and he's bringing in his own guys the only guy she's keeping really is Blackwood, Smith, Hughes, and Heischer. Like, really. And from a veteran's perspective, we're, we're to put it lightly, we're, to put it bluntly, we're stuck with Subban, at least for now. 
Yeah. There isn't much we could. I mean, the only options we have at this point is to hope to God that maybe Seattle decides to take on the last year of his contract and just, you know, moves off. I mean, which would, to me, that would completely change even more this offseason. It would be like, okay, now we have even more cap space because Subban's contract is off the books. Or we just decide from a, because we need better in presence um, to keep Subban for his last year. And I mean, he has, I feel like this has been a better year for him than last year. But again, to bring up your point, Jake, I think Fitzgerald just basically is trying to put his stamp on this franchise and say, I'm building the team with my guys. I don't want to keep the guys that Ray Shiro had because they are not working out. And I'm okay with that because you're, you're, you're in charge now. It's you running the team. So like you do what you got to do and what you think is best, but you know, looking back on it, you know, he's made some really, really good trades. Like the fact he was able to get a first round pick in this market with the whole pandemic going on is good. Yeah. And the the way I'm seeing it is we had three last year. We have two this year. He's just stockpiling up picks because that's how he thinks it's best for him. And it gives him flexibility with the expansion draft and he can use it as a trade or yes. he can draft another player and add to the system. And he's just going to watch the kids grow together. But sooner or later, you have, like you said, you have to add some veteran presence. Like who is a veteran? Who's the veteran presence on the team? Subban, Janssen and Severson. Yeah, that's, that's, like I that's- mean, it's not, a, and that's not even really a veteran presence because Janssen has barely been here. He got traded to the devils in the off season. Severson is still, pretty young he's what 26 at this point 26 27 he's not even he's not even his own player like his own number he hasn't even reached the age yet I mean it's so like I guess Severson could be considered because he's been here for a while but he's part of the old culture of and he admitted this I pointed this out several times he admitted back earlier this year when we were playing the Islanders he said in years past we have given up on games and given up on seasons he is part of that culture so I don't really like that he's – I mean, I have somewhat of an issue with him still being here because of that attitude and that whole, like, does he really believe that this team is moving in the right direction? And, you know, you need to add veteran presence. And the only reason I like Subban as a veteran presence is that he relates with the young players. His his personality, the way he, the way he you know, puts himself out there – he relates with the young players. He interacts with them all the time on social media, you know, in, in general. And I think that's important. Um, but they do need they do need veteran guys. Like I've said before, the reason why I liked Paul Stasny to come to New Jersey, especially over the last two, three years, is because I knew the type of person that he is. I knew the type of locker room presence he can be. We need people like that who are going to be like, look, this, and excuse my language, guys, but this shit has to stop. Yeah. Like, this has to stop. We are not going to continue to have fans come to our games and us get our asses kicked all the time, and we've won just four games all year at home. Like, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. And I remember Lindy Ruff at the beginning of the year said to the players at training camp, make this year the best year of my 30 years of coaching. This is by far the worst year of his coaching. There is no question about it, hands down. And I hope that like real change actually happens. Like I hope that this is a wake up call for the entire organization to say, okay, we still have a long, long way to go. And we need to make additions now 
to improve this team now to give our young talent more time in the system to develop. Because we can't just force Nolan Foote, Alexander Holtz, Graham Clark, Kevin Ball, um, Riley Walsh. We can't force these guys, Dawson Mercer. We can't force these guys to jump in and play you know, 70, 80 games in an in NHL regular season in their first year in the National Hockey League because that's baptism by fire. As we've seen with some of these guys, it's baptism by fire. And we need to get some veteran guys in here that can rally the troops, that can get these guys going and can settle them down and create a winning culture because that's what we're trying to build at the end of the day. Yeah, and the... It's also on the coaches too. So like if you watch the games, like you gotta see. And like I like Tice Thompson, for example, young kid, played two minutes and fifty five minutes maybe last night. Send him down. Might like, as well. What you, like might what are you well. doing? Like yeah. that's not good for his development. Okay, maybe he might learn something watching. Okay. But he's only playing five minutes of ice time. Like you're not it's not helping the kid. It's not. It's and, it's but, not there's no point to him. Like, I like the kid. I really do. And I think with time, he can help us. But right now, you're putting him in a position where he's going to lose confidence because it's like, well, I played two minutes, if that, last night. So the question is, is, is it, am I just playing poorly? Like, what am I, lo- like, what am I missing here? And again, that's baptism by fire. He's getting thrown into it. Same thing with uh, Marion Studenich. He's getting thrown into the fire. And now we're hearing that Nolan Foote is probably going to be moved to the taxi squad by tomorrow. He could be thrown into the fire. And I'm, I'm not necessarily against that because you might as well just see what you have. But you can't also put them in a position where their confidence could be shattered so that, so that by the time it's their, their time to start making moves, they don't have the confidence in themselves to do what they need to do to perform in the National Hockey League. And I think that's that's the thing. And I've said it to you, Devils fans, and this is very true. These last 14 games, well, it's going to be 12 by the time you guys are listening to this, but the last, you know, 10-plus games of the season, it's going to be painful to watch because we are going to be really, you know, we got two more games uh, left against the Rangers. Then we got three in a row against Pittsburgh. Um, we got a couple more against Boston. Uh, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. Uh, but hopefully the team can continue to develop. And I, and I hope that management makes real changes and not just in the, the player's perspective, but I think changes need to be made in the coaching staff because I'm glad you um, honestly, Elaine Nazardine been a really big disappointment, but then again, he's part of the John Hines regime. So, I mean, that's, I don't give him any sort of credibility. Mark Recchi was supposed to come in and fix the power play. Our power play is atrocious, just atrocious. Um, and Lindy Ruff, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to – I don't know if it's really him as to why this team is the way that they are or if it's the youth or if it's just a combination of everything. But it just – I feel like a change needs to be made with some part of the coaching staff. I don't think you could go into next season with the same coaching staff. I don't think, like, Recky gets a lot of blame. I don't think it's all Recky's fault because, like, there's not – the Devils don't have a lot of really much talent up front on the, like, big – the NHL roster with Hughes besides Hughes and Heischer. 
you know, yeah. Miles Woods had a great year, which is a bright spot. And Sharon Govich is at a 20 goal pace in a full season. So that's good. Brat's been, he's been pretty good the last while, but Nazardine, like I've, I see people put it on Twitter. Yeah, he's on the TV host, but, you know, Bryce Salvador does know a lot of stuff. Maybe you might want to consider putting him behind the bench. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, and, and I agree with a lot of people because, like, I, I listen and, – and, Jake, I know you listen to him as well. I mean, yeah. he, he talks like, hell, even when he's not doing games because right now he can't, he's still, like, recording stuff and putting it on Twitter to explain to Devils fans, okay, this is the problem. And I'm like – so that like we have this guy in our sit in our in our broadcasting team, why can't we give him the opportunity to do what he needs to do? Because I really think that the the team would benefit from this, and you better do it soon because some other team is going to notice this and is going to probably make a move to try to get him. So we might as well give him a chance before someone else takes him. Absolutely, and like you said about the schedule. I'm just looking at their schedule here. They got back-to-back Saturday, Sunday with the Rangers. Right. Then they got three straight against the Red Hot Penguins. Philadelphia struggling, but, you know, Philly's played the Devils well, so there's three straight against – four straight against Philly. Great. Two against Boston, two against the Islanders, and one game against Philly. It's like, – I'm not seeing a lot of wins in there. And, And, I mean, I was talking – and we, and you know, obviously from the last episode, we talked to Alex uh, from the hockey writers and he pointed it out and he was half serious. Uh, but I, I mean, there's a possibility that the Devils may not win another home game this year no. from the way that they've been playing. I, and I would warn Devils fans, I know that you're passionate. I know that we, ha- we don't get a lot of opportunities to go to sporting events right now due to COVID. I get all that. But at what point do you make the decision to stop spending your money to go see this team and leave three hours later, disappointed, angry, pissed off every time. Because other than two games this year, every Devils fan that has gone to a game has left feeling one of those ways because we have struggled tremendously at home. And even Lindy Ruff said he could not explain it, which is a bad sign. It's a really bad sign if even your head coach is like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. And I remember last night after the Devils lost, the, the media was talking to Nico. And Nico had his, his, his face, his, his face in, his, in, his, um, in his hand, kind of like the way I'm, I'm looking right now. And you could just see from his body language, the team just doesn't believe in itself. This team doesn't believe that they can win games. Like they just look at it and they're like, I think in many ways they're just going through the motions right now. I think they're trying to just get through the rest of the season because it's been a difficult one. It's been a Jekyll and Hyde year. We started the year off hot, a lot of hope, a lot of promise, got hit by COVID, really have never been the same and at times have really fallen off, which is really tough to say. And at the end of the day, I think we all just want to see hope because that's what you need to sell at this point. You're not selling winning. You're selling hope. And I think Devils fans are running out of, are tired of hearing the same old things that we've heard the last five, six years. Oh, we're a team on the rise. Hell, even our mantra one year was on the rise and it didn't happen. So Fitzgerald and the ownership need to make moves over the next two, three years that make us believe that this is not the same way. This is not the same thing that we dealt with the first time. 
that we're actually trying to put our team in a position to win. And it's funny because um, on the day of this recording, which is April 16, 2021, exactly three years ago today was game three of the Eastern Conference uh, first round when the Devils took on the Tampa Bay Lightning and won the only game that they won in that series. And it's amazing how much has changed since that day when we all thought that we were, that was the beginning of a new era, but it ended up being the beginning of the end of, of an era, considering all the things that have happened. So it's, it's difficult, but Jake, I wanted to shift to some news that we got today that I thought was really interesting. And it involves the Binghamton Devils, or they, they may very well not be the Binghamton Devils much longer. So apparently the, the town of Utica, which is home to the Utica Comets, who are the Vancouver Canucks minor league affiliate at the moment, through, put out a memo requesting that they be called the Utica Devils starting, I believe, next season which was a shock and it was like, it came out of nowhere and I got more research and some of the guys from the hockey pod network were able to get me some information. Apparently the Binghamton devils and the New Jersey devils organization and this, the town of Binghamton are in a, I guess you would say disagreement about the future of the organization. And it sounds like to me that the devils want to move Binghamton from Binghamton to Utica, which is, I think, a little bit more up north from Binghamton. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing because it, it makes you wonder, like, okay, well, what's the issue? What's the problem? Why is this happening? You know, things like that. I thought when I first saw the story that it was more of, oh, they might be considering moving the team to New Jersey altogether, considering how everything has gone this year. But what are your thoughts um, about this? Um. I guess I can't really say I'm shocked because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the devils have gone through different farm system names, basically through their entire history. First it was Utica, then it was Albany, then it was all, and then it was back to Albany again. And then it's Binghamton and yep. now it's going to be Utica again. <laughs> so Supposedly, yeah. to, to sum it all up, I can't, I'm honestly can't really say I'm shocked. Then again, I'm not really shocked with anything that this organization does anymore. So, but yeah. Um, I mean, when the Devils were in Albany and Utica, the team was very good. So, I mean, I guess that gives yeah, that gives some fans some hope on it. But yeah. It's a it's a weird thing. And um, for any Devils fan who doesn't know, uh, like Jake had mentioned, the, the, the minor league Devils affiliate actually did used to play in Utica. Um, from the 1987 season to the end of the 1993 season. Uh, they played at the Utica Memorial Auditorium and that was, and they got to wear red, green, and white because that was still the colors of the New Jersey Devils. So it sounds like that um, New Jersey is interested in moving their minor league team back to Utica, which I think then um, talking with some of the guys from the Hockey Pod Network, we're, we're expecting that if the Devils move to Utica, then most likely the Comets would probably be not only would they move out west, you know, closer to Vancouver, but they would stop being called the Comets. I heard that basically Utica doesn't want to lose the name Comets. So I don't know if that means anything. Like if that means that the Devils are going to change their name 
to the Utica Comets or we're just trading our minor league team and switching it with Vancouver. I have no idea. Um, but it's something to keep in mind. I know it doesn't mean a whole lot to anything, but it was just something um, to mention. By the way, in case you want to know, Binghamton is second to last in the AHL in points at the moment. So it's not like our minor league team is doing that much better than our NHL team. So at the moment, ladies and gentlemen, we're in a very difficult spot as Devils fans. Um, but Jake, my next question to you is this, and this is more of just, just try to reason with the fans that are listening to this episode right now. What can Devils fans bank on that could put them in a positive outlook from this point forward, looking at this team and where they're going? For the future or for this season? For the future, because I don't think they want to talk about the rest of this season. Well, I, I guess I could, I could kind of sum up it both ways. Um, for fans, for this season, I'm not going to say enjoy the ride because it's been an awful bumpy one. So <sighs> That was a great mantra we tried to use. Um, I would say just kind of sit back, watch, and just – Watch Jack Hughes do his thing. You see him along the boards. He's become better along the boards. He's Yeah, he gets pushed around a bit still. But you can tell the shot attempts have gone up. Um, the goals just haven't gone in. But you can, you can tell with him, once he gets a score, a legit NHL score, yeah. a guy that's going to produce points, the points are going to come for him at will. It's just, it's just going to be a matter of time. He's he, – Forget all the talk you hear outside that, oh, Jack Hughes is going to be a bust and whatnot. He's got to put on some muscle. He still has to put on more muscle. Well, he lost all of his muscle from COVID. I mean, that's the reality of it. All the muscle he gained during the offseason, he lost when he got COVID. Like, you could see it clearly. Nico, same thing. He hasn't he hasn't played much. But, you know, Sharon Govich, Quokin, and all those all the kids, Maltsev, all of them. Just watch them and just enjoy them. And because, you know, a couple of these guys are going to be here for a while. McLeod's turned out to be a top penalty killer for us, which is great. And, you know, Bastion's coming back. And enjoy Ty Smith because Ty Smith is only going to, he's only going to get better from here. Yeah, Mackenzie Blackwood probably hasn't had the greatest season, but he doesn't also have the greatest defense in front of him. He is the franchise goalie for this team moving forward. There's no question about it. Anybody who says he isn't, it's just, he needs a one B option, and that's probably that's something that we can get to here. Yeah. But as for the future, you know, they're going to be bringing whether people want them to or not. They don't really have a choice. They're going to bring these some of these kids up like Nolan Foot, and you know maybe they bring Arne Telvite up for a game or two. They're they're gonna maybe they bring Ball up for a game or two at the end of the season to see what they got in him, but. If not, they're going to let them play down there. And I don't think you're going to – you might see Alexander Holtz for a game or two. I doubt it. By the sounds of things, they're just going to let him play in Binghamton and play it out there and get some games involved. But you know what? Probably the right thing to do. I let agree. him light up the AHL for a bit if he does. And I agree. See where it takes you next year. And if Nolan Foot and him are down there next year, let them play on the same line together and see what they can do together. Because that can be a sign for, you know – one plays with Heesher, one will play, one's going to be playing with Hughes. And the Kokanen, Hughes, Sharon Govich line, let's face it, it's been phenomenal. It's been their best line lately. 
but fans also need to realize that when Mercer, Foot, and Holtz come up to this team, that line's not going to stay together. Right. They're going to be playing Alexander Holtz. They didn't draft him seventh overall to play on the bottom bottom six. He's going to be playing on the first two lines, whether anybody likes it or not. Right. And Dawson Mercer, they he's a versatile player. So they could put him because Jesper Bolkvist, yeah, they play him at wing. Obviously, he looks better at center. But every time he plays, you're like, okay, let's see what Bolkvist can do. But every time he goes down to the HL and he plays center, he's great. But he comes up to the NHL and he's nowhere to be seen. So it's – is Mercer going to be the third-line center or is he going to be the right winger on the second line? Like, there's questions that need to be answered. We'll, we, we will – we will say, we will say. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, our guy Jersey Joe actually wanted me to talk about this. He was actually begging me to talk about this. Um, Jake, honestly, like we look at the expansion draft coming up in a couple months, I think by now, probably like two or three months from now. Um, who do you expect to not be protected? Because I think we have a good idea as to who's going to be protected. Who do you think? are going to be the unprotected guys um, for the Devils in the expansion draft. Whew. You can give me only like two or three. You don't have to like come up with a whole how, list how on many, the spot. How many do they have to leave unprotected? What's the number? Well, it kind of depends. They may decide to go with only giving, I think they might, I think they might go like seven forwards, three defensemen and one goaltender that they leave unprotected, that they protect, I, I believe. You know, is. Is there anybody that's exempt from being protected? Like they don't, they don't have to worry about. Protecting? Yeah, um, a lot of the young players like Quokinen, um, I think uh, you know, obviously Ty Smith, Jack Hughes, those guys, um, they're exempt anyway. Like they're not part of the, because I think you have to have like two or three years in the league to be eligible. Um, you can't like a rookie can't come in and then all of a sudden he's like available. Like it's not like Alexander Holtz could come to the team. And all of a sudden, he can't be protected or anything like that. Um, Nico can be Nico can be protected. Yes, exactly. That's I mean, he's going to be one of obviously Jack Hughes, Nico Gishier, Ty Smith. I mean, they're gonna they're, they're obviously going to be protected. Um, probably there's, pers- no, there's no veterans left, so it's like I I you want to know something? I hate to say this and. But I have just have this weird feeling that they're not going to protect Miles Wood. Yeah, that was something that I think a lot of us have thought about. And to be honest with you, I will say this. If he wasn't having the season that he was having, I think most Devils fans would be perfectly fine with that. But because of the fact that he's having a great year, the question is this. Is this now the new Miles Wood? Is this the beginning of his, like, takeoff to being a really good NHL player? Or is this because of all of the circumstances surrounding him that he is playing as well as he's playing? And I think that that's a tough decision that Fitzgerald's going to have to make. And I mean, Michael McLeod and Nate Bastian, I think are going to be guys that you may see go unprotected and they may take one of those guys. Um, probably, certainly. Subban's going to be left unprotected. And I think Subban knows that. I think he knows that that's coming. Um and look, if they take him, they take him. Maybe. Who? Severson, maybe. Can they see this? Is, this is the thing. This is the thing. Tom Fitzgerald said he wants the team to still be competitive. I mean, if you let Severson go, then what exactly? Like, then what do you do? Are you just gonna 
go out and get two or three veteran defensemen, you know, in the offseason? Was that is that the plan? Because I mean, they may, I think more likely from a defenseman standpoint, I think Subban and, po- and probably Ryan Murray are going to be unprotected. Because I think Ryan Murray, even though he's been solid in New Jersey, because he's an unrestricted free agent, they may just be like, well, we're we'll, we're, we'll butcher. We'll butcher. Yeah. I think we'll butcher definitely. You look at him. I mean, every single year, his points have gone down and he's gotten, to hate to say it, worse and worse and worse. And I think Lindy Ruff said it best when he was talking about Will Butcher that he really just struggles um, to stay balanced on the ice. He seems like he's out of position a lot. Um, He's getting less and less ice time. I mean, the only reason he's playing right now is because we just don't have a lot of defensemen to to put in front of him. I mean, Vatanen and Kulikov were the big reasons that Butcher wasn't getting any playing time. And I think the Devils were, I, I mean, if they could put um, Gusev on waivers to terminate his contract, I wouldn't have been surprised the Devils had tried to do that with Butcher because he has been really disappointing since the uh, since the beginning of his second year. You probably would see Dell or Wedgwood left unprotected too. Just probably to both of them. Probably, probably both of them. Yeah, I think, I think they would prefer Wedgwood if they wanted to bring somebody back, which I I mean, Wedgwood was solid, I guess. But if you really, like, I don't think you should make him the 1B next year. I just can't. I would no. prefer to have him as a third, the third guy. But you need to go out and get a 1B guy. Like, you can't. I don't have a lot of faith in Sen or Cormier because they're still very young and they still need time. And I think you need to get somebody like, I mean, look, hell, we had Corey Crawford, but he chose to retire. So that put us in a position where we were scrambling all year long to find a legit backup for Blackwood. So I'm, I'm assuming that Fitzgerald will once again try to go out and get a decent 1B to help Blackwood. So I think with that, probably both Wedgwood and Dell are going to be left unprotected. Yeah, and the question I have is, like, and I guess there could, this could be a question for you, Neil, and for Jersey Joe is, if they leave and all these guys unprotected, like you said, like we got to get people in through trades and stuff like that. Who on this team has value anymore? Well, I don't think it's necessarily that they would, when it comes to trades, to acquire talent. I don't think it's going to end up being that we have to give up players. I think that's why Fitzgerald has stockpiled with draft picks because he knows that there are teams out there that don't have draft picks that are in cap hell, to put it bluntly, and that Fitzgerald can get. I mean, he got Andreas Janssen for Joey Anderson which I mean, is not necessarily a bad of a thing because at least you can say Janssen has been in the NHL the whole season. I don't think Joey Anderson has been with, been up with the, the Maple Leafs at all this year, if I'm, if I'm correct. So, I mean, it that's a possibility. I mean, we've talked about maybe throwing out a, you know, offer sheet for somebody, if anybody's an RFA. Um, but as far as trades, I mean, we're going to have to give up draft picks. Because I don't think Fitzgerald wants to give up prospects unless he feels so confident in a player acquiring a player and that he's well, he, that he would be willing to be like, all right, we'll give up so-and-so for this guy. Like 
it all depends on the teams. It all depends on, and that's the other thing with like Seattle. It's like, who does Seattle see as value to take from us? You know, if you remember Vegas took John Merrill, did we really, did we really need John Merrill anymore at that point? No, we didn't. We didn't need John Merrill. So if we lose, like, I'm going to throw this out. We lose like Nate Bastion, right? As much as I know people like Nate Bastion and like how he's played this year, I'm, I'm not going to be that upset. I'm going to be like, all right, you know, we lost the body, but, you know, we, that gives us another roster spot for somebody else. And he's and replaceable. We, right, exactly. It's not like if we lost Wood, that would be different because Wood is an energy guy. And that's why I also like him. And that's why people say, well, we have Nick Merkley. And like, yeah, Nick Merkley is also an energy guy because every time you put him in the lineup, he seems to do something. He but seems I, to be in the middle of every play. But, but I can what, say Nick Merkley's not going to be on the team probably when this team's contending. And that's the other thing. Maybe Nick Merkley is the guy that ends up going. I don't know. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Well, he's not tech. He, he wasn't somebody that Fitzgerald traded for and or developed because we got him in the Taylor Hall trade when, when Cheryl was still the general manager. Um, but you, I don't think you could replace what Wood brings with Nick Merkley. It's just that Wood is a tremendous, is a fast skater. He's starting to do well with his puck handling. I think because of this year, I think Wood might've uh, prevented himself from getting left unprotected, unless the devils are in a very tough situation where it's one guy or the other and Wood's the odd man out. The and question, that's the way it Yeah. And the question I have is like they have 40 plus million or 40 million or so in cap space. 50, or 53 million. Is that what it is? 50. That's what it that's what it is right now. It's 53 million at the moment. Okay. Which could be a lot more if Subban is the one that ends up getting taken off the books. So then they obviously have to reach the floor. So they're gonna have to sign some guys, and they might have to overpay a bit for them just to reach the floor. But the question I have is, how do we even know they're going to be able to pull off a blockbuster? Like, who do they who are they given? Like, who are they going to be able to give up? Well, that's the and that's again why I think Fitzgerald stockpiled so many draft picks because I think if he's going to want to do a blockbuster, I think he's going to want to do a blockbuster where he has to give up a boatload of picks and not his own. So if you think about it, like we have we have the Islanders' first two picks in next year's draft. We have their first and we have their second. Um, we still have a pick from Arizona, I think. No, we traded that for Siegenthaler. That could be another guy we forgot to mention. Jonas Siegenthaler could be somebody the Devils leave unprotected. I, I have no idea. I really have no idea. Um, but look, it's about, I think for Fitzgerald, it's going to be trying to take advantage of teams that can't afford to keep guys. I've mentioned before, and I know I've mentioned it before, but I've mentioned Johnny Gaudreau. And the only reason I have is because, number one, next year will be the final year of his contract that he's on right now. And Calgary has to make that choice, especially because it looks like they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Um, are they going to decide to then, you know, start moving on from the, the core? I mean, they already did that. They traded Sam Bennett to Florida. So that kind of tells you right away that they're probably starting to clean house. I'm not saying that the Devils are going to go after Johnny Gaudreau. Although if the Devils did get him, that would be tremendous because we know what he can bring to the team. Yep. We, even, even at 28 years of age, 
it's still he's still a goal scorer. I don't really give a crap how old he is. He's still a productive player. The other thing is this. Would Fitzgerald has to get people that are not here for like one year and then they're gone. He has to get impact players that could be here for two or three years as we develop the rest of the team, like obviously getting Jack Hughes, Nico Heeshear, Ty Smith, Mackenzie Blackwood to get to the top of their game to be where they need to be. So I was talking to a Devils fan earlier today. I said, look, the only way the Devils get Goudreau, they have to convince him to sign an extension. They can't trade for a guy like that, give up big assets, because you know that Calgary is going to want to get a decent amount for him um, and, and just and not be able to keep him long term or even for four or five, like three or four years. Like you can't, you can't do that. Um, you know, they might throw out, like I said, an offer sheet. I know a guy like Patrick Line is an RFA, but the Devils, again, would have to give up probably a King's Ransom for Patrick Line, considering his age, considering what he could bring to the table, considering that Columbus gave up a pretty decent amount to acquire Line earlier this year, it would be stupid of them to just let him walk um, unless they're in cap hell, which I don't know if they are or not. Um, but it could be somebody that we don't even expect. It could be somebody out of the blue that we just go, oh shit, they got him. That kind of came. But as far as like free agency, Devils fans, I would say don't expect us to go out and be able to sign a top free agent because how are we going to convince them, A, to come here, B, how much is the ownership of this team willing to spend? If they're willing to spend a lot, then we'll see what happens. But that's just what I'm saying. Now, Montreal was bad the year they signed. Um, or no, they had a lot of cap space. And they convinced Camilleri, Gianta, all those guys to go there. But they overpaid. And the right. free agency is where some mistakes happen and some don't. But, I mean, if they're going to go after anyone, it's going to be you, – you might as well shoot for the moon and hope you can sign Dougie Hamilton. That's just – the nature of the beast because you know Dougie Hamilton probably could still bring a bunch but if there's going to be a free agent that they're probably going to go after I can agree to put this out there that they are going to go after Blake Coleman yeah I would imagine that Blake Coleman is probably somebody that they want to come they want to bring back because of who what he can bring um Kyle Palmer I told Dallas fans I said that bridge has been burned uh I just if they couldn't figure out the money now like just recently, why would they be able to figure it out in the off season? Like, how could they come back? And Paul Mary may not want to come back because of the team being in a rebuild. He might be like, I'm 30 years old. I want to try to win a cup. I, I mean, look, the Islanders could very well go and win the cup for all we know. But I, I mean, I'm just saying, what if he comes and they don't win the cup and it's like, okay, well now what do I do? And I mentioned one, there are two guys that are very intriguing to me that are unrestricted free agents at the moment. Gabriel Landeskog, the captain of the Colorado Avalanche, will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. I don't think there's any way that Colorado lets him walk, but there very well could be. I have no idea. They may just not be able to keep him. That would be somebody that I would be intrigued with because he is a veteran presence. Hell, he was a cap he's been a captain in Colorado for years. He clearly is a leader. The Devils need that. And I believe, is he a center? I think he's a center. 
No, he's, he's, a left, he's a left winger. He's a left winger, and the Devils could very well need a left winger. Well, actually, not could. They, they do need a left winger. And that would be a great compliment for Nico or Jack as a guy like that. Another guy, and I know his injuries have been coming up the last couple of years, and that's a concern, but Freddie Anderson will be an unrestricted free agent, and I know for a fact that there is very little to no possibility that Toronto keeps him. I think at this point, with the moves that they've made, they got David Reddick. Jack Campbell is firing on all cylinders. And the fact that Maple Leafs fans have been begging the, uh, the front office to move Freddie Anderson, I think Freddie Anderson could be a solid guy that we get for like two years. That could be a good 1B for Mackenzie Blackwood. I don't see that as necessarily a bad move. I consider it very similar to Corey Crawford's um, situation. That's just me. But again, this is all just spitballing. This is all fantasy. This is all junior GM type things. The reality is simply this, Devils fans. Ownership has to make the decision as to how much money they want to spend. That will, that will determine it. And who knows? Maybe if the 76ers win the NBA championship and they get a crap load of money from that, they may decide, okay, well, now we'll give even more to the Devils and say, hey, go out and let's start to spend money. And if you have to take risks, like you said, Jake, to overpay, it's part of the business. We have to in order to get this team where it needs to be. And luckily, we have the cap space to overpay for a player or two if we have to do that. Yeah, well, they're going to have to because they're going to have to. They got to bring in something because what they got right now is not cutting it. <laughs> well, but do you think the losses, we cheer for the team. Like, let's be honest, Neil, we cheer for the team to win. Of course. But deep down, we're not mad if they lose right now. At this uh, point. I mean, I'm this, different. I'm different about it. I don't like when the team loses at all, no matter how good or no, bad they are. Me neither. But, like, at this point, like, where they are and, like, basically the organization's looking ahead to the draft, they're probably not, like, they're probably mad, but they're not, like, upset about it. Because, like, from everything I've gathered, some somebody had told me that this is all part of Fitzgerald's plan. Yes. He wants Jack Hughes' brother, and he wants him bad. He wants Luther, Luke Hughes. Yes. Whether I believe him or not, I don't know. But we could also we could also get Graham Clark's brother Brant. We could do yeah. that as well. And I'm just looking at the standings, like the overall standings here right now. So without the expansion, the Devils will be picking third overall right now. And again, guys, this all everything that Jake is saying from the standing standpoint could change because again, this episode will be coming out on Monday. Yeah. So, so it might be different. Corey Massasak pointed this out, that the Ducks, the Canucks, and the Red Wings and the Kings, Devils fans might want to hope for some three-point games there. So he's basically saying if they want, if you want to see them lower in the standings, you want to see Anaheim, Vancouver, and Detroit keep winning or going to overtime and keep getting points. If the Devils are going to keep getting points, that way they stay in their vicinity where they are. Yeah. Now, the Devils are currently 29th in the NHL standings overall at 34 points. Ottawa has 32 points. All right. And they've been playing better lately. And even Buffalo is 5-2-2 two, and two in their last nine. Buffalo has 
We have one game in hand ready for this, Neil. I think we might as well give some people a laugh here. Buffalo is 29 <laughs> points. New Jersey has 34. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Jim today, and he even said the Sabres even look like they're playing with more compete than the Devils are. It's hard to watch. And he goes, I won't even be shocked if Buffalo passes them. And I'm like, Oh. Well, that would be rock bottom. I mean, that would be rock bottom to finish the year below Buffalo, considering everything that has happened for Buffalo. It would be rock bottom. Um, look, here's the thing for me, and this is kind of like where we're going to wrap it up here. I'm just going to say this. I've said it before. I am so tired of the draft. I'm really tired of it. I don't care where we finish. I don't care who we draft. I really don't. Like, if we get Luke Hughes, cool. If we don't, we don't. And I don't really give a crap because at some point, somebody who the Devils pick has to hit. Like, we, like that was the big thing on Shiro. He struggled with, after the first two rounds, he really struggled when it came to getting good players in the later rounds except Jesper Bratt. And maybe, like that was, and maybe Sharon Govich. And maybe Sharon Govich. But after that, I mean, this dude did draft Michael McLeod and Pavel Zaka in the first round. So, I mean, you know, and obviously you couldn't, you couldn't assume that they were going to not be the players that they were expected to be when they got drafted. But, you know, dot, dot, dot. I mean, it's just, for me, if we finish second, great. We finish, we're not finishing first. I actually believe because of the new rules, we we actually literally can't finish with the number one overall pick because I think we've, yeah, we've picked first in the last five years. So we have- No, no that, that starts next year. Oh, so we actually could get number one if we want. If, so we if can we, still get number one. Uh, and I'm worried, like that's the thing that worries me because- this is, again, another draft year where there is no legit number one overall pick. There have been at least five mock drafts I've seen with another with a different person as number one. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Literally the best thing for the Devils this year is if they pick top four or top five is that the top five is loaded with defensemen. That's, I mean, that's... That's, that's the... So we can bank on. And they need, they need, they definitely need it, so... And, the only- and I mean, look... I know that obviously the, the, you know, Fitzgerald does not want to see this team go the rest of the season without winning a game. He wants to see them win because in his mind, it's like, whatever pick we get is what we get. And we go from there. And for all we know, they may trade down if they don't like whoever's there. I have no idea. This is going to be a very interesting draft because very little scouting is going to be able to be done on these kids and no combine either. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but Hell, man, if the Devils get Luke Hughes, great. If they don't, they don't. It is what it is. We just go get somebody else. So let's see what happens. So these last 10-plus games, it's going to be a hell of a ride, isn't it? It's going to be a hell of a ride, Jake. I would say so. And if they do draft a defenseman, be happy because then it's another potential stud that you can use to pair with Ty Smith for the future on the back end. So, Absolutely. Now – Jake, before I let you go, as I do with all my guests, give them the floor, the opportunity to tell the folks at home where they can find them on social media and also 
Uh, anything you got going on uh, with the podcast and things you want to promote, floor is yours. All right. So you can find me at uh, Wakes3019 on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at Raising Hell in NJ on Twitter as well. Um, as of right now, we don't have any episodes planned for the podcast. We've kind of been put on a bit of a pause with that. As I've got a biz, I've been busy, busy with you know everything going on. Yep. Those guys have been busy, and we're going to try and plan something soon, hopefully. So, um, other than that, um, any Devils fan looking for a good podcast to listen to, Raising Hell in Jersey, um, give us a listen. Uh, you won't be disappointed. We like that. We all have a good sense of humor on there. We get a good laugh all the time. So Neil's been on the podcast, so he can vouch for that as well. So he's basically one of our top, he's one of our top guests on the podcast. I actually been on there more than anybody, I think. Yeah, I've been on there plenty. I've been on there enough to know how much fun we enjoy, we have um, on there. But but Jake, thank you so much for taking some time. Uh, tonight to uh, to speak with us and we'll definitely have you on the podcast again uh, probably a little bit closer to maybe right after the uh, expansion draft maybe right before the the entry draft but but Jake thank you so much again we really appreciate it no problem Neil thanks for having me on what's going on Devils fans it's your host Neil Villapiano thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey podcast network the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your new jersey devils if you want to check out more of the podcast here's what you do you go wherever you listen to podcasts so that could be spotify that could be itunes that could be google podcasts you know wherever you listen to podcasts you go and you search devil's state of mind and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both mondays and thursdays please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, New videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, 
but certainly not least. Go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know some one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!